Auburn's Weagle 91.1 FM presents The Scoreboard with your co-hosts Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Follow them on Twitter at Jacob Hellman AU and at Bay underscore Marks. Now let's take a look at The Scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming on WEGLFM.com. I'm Jacob Hillman, sitting next to Bay Marks as always. Last night, the jungle was rocking, even with some questionable officiating as Auburn got a 14-point victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores. How are you doing on this fine Thursday, Bay? Well, I, I know you know from last night, but I had to had to bounce after post-game with Jungle Duties to study for an exam, so that is over. So my plate's Feel a little good bit about lighter. It? Feel good about it? Okay. Okay. You know, it Fair was enough. one of those exams when you're looking over the end, you start double guessing yourself and changing answers, and then you just feel worse than you did before. But anyways, um, feeling good, and obviously, like you just mentioned, that great win last night helped out a lot. Tigers move to three games away from at least a share of the SEC regular season championship, twenty-four and two overall, twelve and one in conference after the ninety-four to eighty victory. Jabari Smith, his Season high in points with 31, and man, he was efficient. 10 for 16 for shooting, 7 for 10 from three-point land, including a logo three in front of us that, I mean, I didn't expect him to shoot it as quickly as he did, but he knew he was shooting it before he had the ball. Jabari hasn't necessarily been in a slump lately, but we haven't really seen any of these high-scoring games where he kind of just takes over um, in a few portions of the game lately, and he did just that. Like you said, Jacob, he had 31 points um, for the Auburn Tigers. He also added four rebounds and three assists. Um, and I think the biggest thing, and he's kind of the prime example of it, was uh, in Bruce Pearl's press conference the other day, somebody asked about the shooting slumps from the three-point line and the free throw line. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell them to sh- stop shooting the threes. I'm not going to tell them to not get to the foul line. Um, and Jabari was a good example of that. He also went four or seven from the line. Not great, but over 50%. Um, so a really great night from Jabari. He obviously wasn't scared to shoot the three, even with um, Bruce Pearl saying that. And he said something in the postgame conference. Jabari said something to the effect of, that's why you come to Auburn, because Bruce is going to continue to let you shoot like that. Well, the Tigers shot 11 for 22 from three uh, on the night as a team. and It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty solid. And it especially comes from a great second half uh, from Kirk Sampson, Auburn SID. The Auburn men's basketball team shot 70.8% in the second half versus Vanderbilt. It was the first time an Auburn squad has shot 70% or better in a half during an SEC contest since 2003 at Ole Miss, when it was 72.7%. Yeah. And I mean, impressive display of offensive basketball. And also, just the point with the free throw line that I was trying to make a second ago. I mean, there was obviously plenty of opportunities to get to the foul line last night, like you said, with, with the officiating that was in the building. Um, Auburn finishes the game 21 of 26 from the charity stripe, which is good for nearly 81%. Um, obviously a dramatic change in what it's been like lately for them. But um, outside of Jabari, Walker Kessler, again, just continuing his tear in the paint in the SEC, 22 points, seven rebounds, and seven blocks. Another, almost another near triple-double. Yeah. And that's his career high in points. Yeah, and he, that's the thing is the fact he's the fact that you see both players that at the top of your scoring list hit career highs – this late into the season, that's something that you really love to see. It shows that they are still improving. They're still building on each other. And, you know, sometimes you see guys, you see teams peak early. Now, I will say this team, 
it could it could happen. You never know. But I do think that this team still has room to grow. And uh, we, we've said it several times they hadn't played their best game, but it's possible they have. I think that Alabama game was such an impressive game. But other than that, it's hard to say any game came close to that. And I think that they can get back to that level. And to do that, you're going to need Jabari and Walker to not necessarily have games like this, but whenever other guys aren't performing as well. I mean, you look at the foul. The foul, I mean, Katie Johnson, four fouls. Alan Flanagan, four fouls. Seth Jasper, four fouls. And Wendell Green, he, play, he played well. He didn't put up a lot of points, but a lot of assists and a lot of rebounds. He almost had a sneaky triple-double. And it's really something that you want to see those top two scores uh, dominate as we move near the postseason. Yeah, and I think I think the point is you want more consistency out of everybody in a more consistent manner. Um, we've said it time and time again on the show, it's one guy one night and one guy another night. Walker Kessler has shown that consistently late, uh, lately. He's been the most consistent player on Auburn's team um, from beginning of the season to now, despite the couple games he fouled out and got in foul trouble. Um, you could argue Jabari and Wendell there right behind him, maybe even KD. Um, but lately, Walker has shown that that sort of consistency can really be what pushes Auburn over the hump to clinch, not share, clinch the SEC regular season and also make a deep march run, in my opinion. As I said, the magic number is three to clinch a share, four to win the overall title. Uh, and obviously there's a big game with Tennessee coming up next Saturday. We'll talk about that next Thursday uh, on the scoreboard, and that's going to be monumental. But, uh, I, yeah. but I also think the most important thing is going to Florida and winning. We'll, we'll preview that in a few minutes, but I just think you're not going to – I. You're not going to lose in the jungle. You're not mm-hmm. losing to Ole Miss. You're not losing to South Carolina. And you gra- you got to grab that Mississippi State and Florida game so you can clinch it. Because here's the thing. Tennessee's the best team left on your schedule. You probably you might, you probably slash might lose that game. Yeah. That place is going to be rocking. And then don't forget what happened to Auburn's last away game. True. Auburn now knows what they're getting as the number one team on the road. Their last three away games, Missouri, Georgia, and Arkansas, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. They got the best shot from all three of those teams. Nearly lost the first two and then finally fell against Arkansas. So, um, won't get too ahead of ourselves, but I yeah. mean, it is it is something to think about now that we're, we are down to the last few games of regular season. And, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how this team does in front of a great environment against a good team, possibly a great team. We don't know that about Tennessee yet. I think they are trending in that direction of being a great team, but nonetheless, and going back to last night, I think we stress this a lot, how next man up, who is, someone's going to step up every night for this team, whether it's Katie Johnson and, and Wendell Green or off the bench, Devin Cambridge or Jalen Williams. Last night, it was the two best players on this basketball team. It was Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler. Because, like I said, look at the rest of the box score. I will say this is a game where the box score pretty much does tell the story. Yeah. Because of how many fouls there were. That really dictated how the game went. You were not able to let Katie Johnson and Zeb Jasper play the kind of defense they like to play. And that's why Scottie Pippen Jr. was able to dominate. He's a heck of a player. Heck of a player. I mean, it was literally just a duel between him and Jabari. It was. It was cool when they were guarding each other. Yeah, it It was. It was really cool. Uh, Pippen, 29 points, five rebounds, six assists, five steals. He only turned the ball over three times, and he handles the ball every possession. Yeah, he shot 7 of 18 from the field. I mean, he just, like you said, handled (laughs) the ball, had six assists. Five steals. I mean, well, there's one big number that I think we just kind of glanced over. The free throw number, 14 for 16 from the yeah. line. He uh, he he was scoring in all different facets of the game, and 
Um, I, I leaned over and said it to a few of the guys last night. It really felt like a one-man team in the second half for Vandy. Obviously, early in the game, Auburn got down by, I believe it was nine or double digits at one point. 11. Yeah, 11 nothing. Um, it really seemed like it was all of Vandy, but, I mean, the second half, it was just truly a one-man showing from Scotty, and um, they just couldn't couldn't keep up with Auburn, truly and simply, but that's a guy that's going to be playing a lot in the NBA. He, for sure. I, mean, I I don't know how much this game translates to the NBA, but he's going to get a shot. I mean, there was a lot of pro scouts last night of the game, and I know three guys for certain from both teams combined that they were there to see. Absolutely. I mean, the three guys we've been talking about so of course, far today. Yeah, so. they're pretty, pretty much the topic yeah. of, uh, or the discussion at topic right now. So uh, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the guys that, that got in foul trouble. Let's talk about KD. Let's talk about Allen. Let's talk about Zepp. Now, you can't really judge them off this game when the way the fouls were being called, it was, I mean, you could breathe on someone wrong and they were going to call a timeout oh, yeah. or they were going to call a foul. So, what are the, I mean, this, these are your three defensive guards that you really trust to go out there and play good. And listen, not to get ahead of ourselves, but next Saturday at Tennessee, when you're playing Vescovy and Chandler and, uh, and their other guard that's really good, you cannot have this happen. No, no. These at guys all. have to be on the floor not in foul trouble, playing defense the way they want to play defense. And that's scrappy, uh, in-your-face style of defense. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, man. Obvi- it, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the depth of Auburn is, I think, the reason why last night was, I mean, it was a little bit of a struggle, but why it wasn't as close as it was. If you tell me any other game that these three guys get in that bad of foul trouble and produce the, the way that they do, it's like, well, th- this is going to be a close game, I'd feel like. Um, looking at it, obviously, Zepp doesn't score, but, I mean, when Zepp was out on the floor, Scottie Pippen really wasn't doing anything. No. I mean, when Alan Flanagan was out on the floor, he was doing what he does defensively, but I'll come back to Alan in a second. KD, I mean, KD still had seven points. He had three assists. I mean, he had a lob to Walker. He, he had t- that three as well. I mean, yeah, so he he contributed a little bit, but not as much as he'd probably like, especially with his defense and Scottie Pippen. But when it comes to Allen, I mean – I don't want to single any one guy out. I mean, everybody has their off nights, but it's just seemed, besides the 16-point showing we saw against Oklahoma, and I know he's not back to 100%, it it hasn't been pretty. I no. know he's not 100%, but he had six turnovers last night, which yeah. doesn't help. And that's the big number, is those six turnovers. It's ha- and it's and it, The thing is, is how does he really work his way into this offense and become a contributor like the other guys have become obviously Zepp offensively isn't your biggest contributor but you know what he doesn't do he doesn't turn the ball over he hasn't turned it over in conference play since January 12th 11th against Alabama Alabama I think Justin was that Justin Ferguson yes and and the last game he did it was January 29th against Oklahoma yeah that that's the difference is obviously both of them are out there for the defensive tenacity whereas Flanagan is also turning the ball over see and I told I told you before Allen came back, did I not say here on the on the scoreboard, I said my biggest concern with having seen Auburn play already this season is going to be how Allen fits into the offense in the way that they like to play. Allen's more slow. Allen's controlled. We've seen Allen catch a ball on the wing, observe the floor, see what he may have, and then take action. Whereas some of these other guys in this on this team just with without even hesitation are just going ahead and they're rolling. We're playing fast. We're moving. or We're passing the ball around. We're scoring. We're doing whatever. Allen likes to play calm, cool, and collected. Um, and I think that's kind of what the biggest problem is right now. I think it's also a little bit of a mental issue. Yeah, and I think the good thing is what the the bucket he scored last night was an alley-oop. It was an exciting play, one that is just in transition. It's good to see. It's good to see him see that from his spot in the corner and just 
cut to the basket and catch a lob and score with it. Yeah. And hopefully that's something that can turn because it also gives them confidence jumping off that leg. Yeah. So I don't know how much the confidence with the leg has impacted him at all. I think he's still – I think he is comfortable with where his leg is and where he is at with his health, so it's not really an issue. He knows what he can do because we, there's been so many moments where we think, oh, he's about to go up and take this guy to the boom-boom room like he did so many times in the 2020 to 2021 season. But he goes up and tries to lay it up because I think he just doesn't feel that explosion he has left in his legs. So eventually he might have that back, but right now he just needs to work his way into the offense and don't turn the ball over as much. And no slight to him. I mean, before this season, we knew that his role would be minimized a little bit. I mean, seeing a potential number one overall pick come in, Walker Kessler, um, the Achilles injury, I mean – we, we knew his role would be reduced because the talent comparison between this year and last year is just a world's difference. And I think another thing to point out, we'll, we'll move on a little bit from that because I think that Flanagan has his chance. Here's the thing. His, his defense is great still. It's just the offense has got to figure it out. And he's got to be a little less slow. And he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He, he'll figure it out. He's got a few games left in the regular season to do it. But Wendell Green played 30 minutes. He played the most minutes on the floor. I mean, naturally, as we just talked about, all those guards, they go down with foul trouble. He's got to, and I think it's impressive whenever he can go in and play that many minutes after what we saw. What game was it that Zepp was sick for? Was it the, the Arkansas Georgia game? game? Georgia and, and Arkansas. Arkansas, yes. Yes, so Georgia game was the big one where he you could tell he got gas in the middle of the second half, and then Arkansas not as much, but it, it's impressive that he was able to go out and play the way he did all 30 minutes. And he said something about that was, I think somebody asked him about his increased minutes, and he was saying something like, you know, like I knew that coming in was that being out. He's like, but I'm ready. Like, I'm going to give it my all. And I think having that experience in the middle of conference play, especially experiencing um, your first conference loss at Arkansas in a hostile environment, playing that amount of minutes, I think that's beneficial for him moving on, especially going down in the March when he's going to have to play a lot of minutes like this. Because um, to be honest, I, that, that's how I see the rest of the season playing out is, is Zepp still starting, but I believe Bruce, like he hasn't hesitated. I mean, before the first media timeout, Bruce is already putting in Wendell. I mean, they're going to come in and out a lot. So, um, but I agree. I think I think that's a positive seeing thing seeing Wendell play that many minutes and still being as productive as he was. You mentioned last night he had a near triple double with his twelve points, nine assists, and seven rebounds. Again, another night with a lot of rebounds for the small guard. Yeah, and he's done a really good job at grabbing boards this year. I think like he he knows how to get in position and not really let his size uh, be detrimental to his rebounding ability. So it's really impressive to see him do that tigers head to gainesville on saturday to play florida they have not beat at florida since i think 1996 i didn't realize it's been that long a long time auburn auburn struggles against mike white in that squad but we'll see if the tigers can do it on the other side of this break we're going to look at the sec as a whole in the sec races auburn chases an sec title you're listening to the scoreboard on wegl 91.1 thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with bay marks and jacob hillman you can find the scoreboard podcast on apple spotify and anywhere you find your podcasts welcome back to the scoreboard on wegl 91.1 fm or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back to the show. Bay Marks, as always, sitting beside Jacob Hillman. If you want to call in live to the Weagle studio, you can at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Those last four spell out Weagle. If you missed our Auburn basketball recap against the Vanderbilt Commodores from last night, you can 
listen to the podcast version of today's episode wherever you may find your podcast, Transistor, Spotify, Apple, you name it. Just search The Scoreboard. Moving on in today's show, we're going to re or look ahead, excuse me, to Auburn versus Florida this upcoming Saturday in Gainesville. Like Jacob mentioned before the commercial break, a place that has not been kind to Auburn men's basketball as of late. And we're going to talk about the SEC men's basketball landscape as a whole. So, Auburn has already beaten this Florida team once at home this year. Looking back at that game, um, the score does not really tell how close it was. Auburn won that matchup back in January 85-73 to to move to 3-0 in conference play. Um, and like I said, even though this was a 12-point victory for the Tigers, Jacob, it was not as close of a game as this may indicate. No, because I think what I, what I remember from that game is Colin Castleton, not a great first half. Walker Kessler shut him down. But in the second half, Kessler got a little bit tired, and there were some minutes where it was Dylan Cardwell out there. and Walker Cardwell, had a lot of foul trouble, too. Yeah, Cardwell yeah. quite hadn't gotten in his groove yet. And Castleton just dominated for probably a – honestly, five to ten minute stretch in the second half, and he got up to 22 points, made it close at one point in the second half, and Auburn was able to kind of cruise from there because no one really else did much for Florida. Uh, I mean, Tyree Appleby, one of their better scorers, he only had 11 points, but he had nine assists. So the playmaking of Appleby uh, really did affect the game, but I think that right now I trust Zepp Jasper and Katie Johnson and even Flanagan to – shut that down and not let that be a factor. With that being said, you're playing in a hostile environment now. You're not playing in Auburn Arena, so you're not in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, I mean, and I, I agree. The big thing for me with that game, um, the point you already made about Castleton, I just, that game was really his game. We all were, we talked about it on the show. We were looking forward to watching him and Walker Kessler go to work, two of the um, best centers in the league. Walker obviously fouling out. He only had six points, still had eight rebounds and three blocks. Um, but like you said, Castleton dominating, especially in the second half when Walker really couldn't play as much. 22 points and 10 rebounds and two blocks. Um, and that was really kind of where Florida kept it close. I mean, you had Katie Johnson, who really had another solid game in, during that stretch where he was really dominating with 23 points, and he had three steals as well. Um, Wendell Green coming off the bench also with 13 points and four assists, and then Jabari with 13 points as well. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing, Jacob, like you mentioned, is going into exact tech arena, as it is now known. Um, it's the O-Dome. Yeah, the O-Dome, whatever you want to call it. And playing against Mike White and this Florida team on the road with that uh, target on your back of being a former number one team, number two, I mean, that's still a huge target on your back. And this so. and, and this Florida this Florida program is definitely going to be looking to beat Auburn. They haven't, last year they did, but I mean, I, I don't think, Unless you won a championship or something like that, you really don't look at last year, even as even if you were successful, as much of anything. I mean, and Florida, is, this is also still a bubble team. Let's not forget. True. I mean, True. Lenardi said before their matchup against Kentucky last week that a, a win at Kentucky would solidify them at the moment a spot in the tournament. They obviously got bounced by 20-plus points and then lost on the road by one at Texas A&M in a hard-fought game. Um, but this is a team with... Five games left on their schedule where they could put themselves in a good position to make the tournament. They host Auburn, Arkansas, and Kentucky, the number two, number 23, and number four teams respectively. And then two easy road games at Georgia and at Vandy could be an easy one for them as well. So this is without a doubt a huge game for Florida. Well, especially when you look at the fact they're sitting right in the middle of the pack of the SEC. 
Yeah. You know, tied with South Carolina at six and seven and one game behind LSU and Alabama. Of course, Alabama got a win against them earlier this year, and I'm sure they lost to LSU as well, but I could be mistaken there. And I really think that there's a difference between being the eight seed and the seven seed. Yeah, you do not sure. want to play that one seed. Now, of course, of course, we've seen the one seed fall, and that being Auburn to Alabama a few years ago, but I think it's a little bit different when you're playing your rival and you don't want them to be successful. So yeah. I just I just don't see Auburn losing as a one seed to a Florida or South Carolina or Mississippi State. Just yeah. that's hard for me to imagine. So I think Florida getting up to that seven seed, of course, that matches you up with Kentucky. That's not much better, but it's still just you don't want to have to play the one seed because it's almost just a chalk in right there. For sure. I mean, huge game for Florida. There's several different implications on this game. Um, it is a 1 p.m. Central time, God's time zone tip-off. Um, so it would be an afternoon game for Auburn. Um, but Jacob was talking about with the SEC standings. With the tournament right around the corner, let's go ahead. Let's check out these 2022 men's basketball standings. Your Auburn Tigers, like we've been mentioning, now are back with a two-game lead um, in the SEC standings with five games remaining, um, meaning if they – the magic number is three to at least clinch a share of the SEC title – um, but if they want to outright have the SEC title, the magic number is four. Following them is Kentucky at 10-3. and three. Tied with Kentucky at 10-3 and three in conference play is Tennessee, who just beat Kentucky at home um, this week in a huge upset, really solidifying themselves, obviously, in the second place of the SEC, followed by Arkansas, who found themselves back in the top 25 this week at 9-4. and four. LSU really hanging around. I think that's a big surprise, as well as Alabama there to round out um, the top six teams. Yeah, and what I look at is that Tennessee and Kentucky battle. Obviously, Tennessee and Kentucky are they are tied right now in conference play because they they split this uh, season matchup. And Kentucky lost to Auburn, so Tennessee has the upper hand if they can beat Auburn on getting the tiebreaker over Kentucky. Uh, but yeah, I think the middle of the pack is what's critical. I don't know if any of these teams are good past Arkansas. Yeah, I, I mean, L- I will say this: LSU, Alabama, Florida. I'll even throw Mississippi State in there from what I've seen earlier this year. They are capable of doing some dangerous things in the tournament. They're capable. Will they? I don't know, but they are without a doubt capable, especially Alabama. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, definitely. And I look at the thing about Mississippi State, it's 0 and 7 on the road. True. 0 and 7 on the road. That that is a big number because 12 and 2 at home, wow, impressive. And then you just see that 0 and 7 number. Yeah. And true. you see how they lost to Alabama last night. They had a lead. Coach Nate Oates gets thrown out of the game. You're getting you get four free points from Nate Oates getting two technicals, and you still can't get it done. They got those four three points or those four points in the second half. It's not like it was in the first half and when nothing was happening. I mean, it's really, really hard for me right now. I thought Mississippi State had a chance. I really don't know how much they can do in the tournament now. And it might not be much. Um, right. That's just a team that obviously beat Alabama earlier this year. We've seen flashes of them being a decent team. Heck, they were beating Bama and Coleman before yeah. uh, Nate Oates was thrown out of that game tragically. Um, but I do agree, Jacob. I, I really think the middle of the pack in the SEC right now is what's going to be um, the interesting portion of this to watch heading into Tampa with these five games left before the tournament starts. Um for me, for me, it really is Alabama and LSU. I think those are the two teams after Arkansas that are probably going to be the most lethal and do the most damage, uh, especially when we get down to Florida. Well, yeah, because you, you look at what LSU was supposed to be coming I mean, they into were this ranked season. 15th earlier they this were, year. Auburn, I mean, nearly top 10. They, yeah, they were undefeated until they played Auburn, and 
it's really something that you look at and you think, how is this team seven and six in the SEC? And you go look at the schedule, and it's just on the road they lose to Vanderbilt. On the road they lose to TCU. You can't you can't do that. You can't do that, and that's how they're stuck in the middle of the pack of the SEC, and they're in a dangerous spot where they might have to play some games they don't want to play. Now coming down the stretch, you have games in South Carolina. You have to host Missouri. Two winnable games, but then you have to go to Kentucky. You have to go to Arkansas, and you host Alabama to round out the season. I mean, I don't know if I like LSU to really uh, finish in the top half of the SEC because I think they lose all three of those games against ranked teams. Yeah. There, there's a clear floor or ceiling, take it as you will, right now in the SEC between True. between elite and not so elite. Um, but, again, like Jacob and I were mentioning earlier, um, I said this a few weeks ago on the show, Auburn still has a tough road slate to finish out. Uh, three out of their last five games are on the road at Florida this weekend, next Saturday at Tennessee, um, and then they will be at Mississippi State two weeks from yesterday. Um, so, I will say I do think that Mississippi State gets its first – SEC road win this weekend. They play twice. They play on Friday and on Sunday. Tomorrow night against Missouri. And then Sunday against Missouri. At Missouri because they have to do some COVID makeup games. And that's how they're doing it. So huh. two-game series is going to be interesting. I uh, Tickets as low as $2 on Sunday if you want to make a trip up to Como. But. It's less expensive than a McChicken from McDonald's. Right. So Or probably around. Go watch some entertaining there. basketball for, for the price of a McChicken. Yeah. <laughs> With that being said, I, I just think that that middle of the pack, like you said, clear. there's a clear, there's a fine line between Arkansas and LSU. Capable and capable. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, now, when it comes to Auburn and the tournament, it, it's I know Auburn is 3-1 on neutral fours this year, and that and that is one game in Atlanta and then three games down in the Bahamas, so only one neutral game on American soil. But my big question mark going into Tampa is how Auburn fares on a neutral four. I mean, I know they've played in some tough road environments, and it's obviously not as tough as a road environment, but, I mean, when it when it's truly a neutral game, I, Auburn has not really gotten that experience because, let, let's face it, Atlanta against Nebraska was a home game. It was a home game against, against Nebraska. A horrible team. Yeah, so, I mean. bad. Uh, and you also didn't have your head coach. True. Wes Flanagan was coaching that game. So I mean, I, hey, I, I'm fine with that. He, he can coach in the SEC tournament. I think he'd be all right. <laughs> Is that how the line of succession works with Auburn men's basketball? Should be. Okay. It should be. But – Anyways, I, that's what it really is for me. Seeing Auburn play these teams that they've they've slide or they've uh, edged out at home or had to edge out on the road and lose on the road at Arkansas. I mean, I, some of these teams. I'm. I mean, I know Auburn's a big dog right now, but that target is about as big as it gets it for is. them. Well, and that's the thing is, obviously, it was the biggest it was is when Auburn was number one. So Arkansas, congrats to them. They nailed it, bullseye. But number two, I mean, that's still not much smaller. I guarantee you, Florida. They know. They could turn their season around with a win on Saturday. Yeah, and I and if Auburn be, Auburn beats Florida, let's say Auburn beats Tennessee. Um, oh man, if, if Auburn beats Florida and Tennessee, just well, I know I'm what I'm season, saying is over. what I'm saying is post post regular season if Auburn beats Tennessee and they go into the tournament, SEC champions, whatever. If Auburn has to play Kentucky or Tennessee, that is two teams and fan bases that will be chomping at the bit to play the Auburn Tigers again. It's gonna be interesting at Tampa. It's going to be really interesting to see how these teams... Now, I wish it was in Nashville. That'd be cool. Well, other than the fact that I bet there'd be more Kentucky fans true, in Nashville. True, I'll give you that. Other than that, I agree. Yeah. The festivities are a little bit more fun in, in Nashville. Nashville than Tampa. Well, we never had it in Tampa, so it, it will be interesting to see what the fan makeup is.
I think we're going to see a lot of Auburn fans. There were a lot of Auburn fans in Tampa against USF back in November, so yeah. hopefully they make it back out. On the other side of the break, we will conclude our Auburn men's basketball discussion with our Super Bowl recap. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Halfway through this Thursday edition of the show, Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Babe Marks and Last week, we didn't do a show. We didn't get to preview the we Super did Bowl. Not. I'll t- my pick was the Bengals. It was wrong. Yeah. Well, I said it two weeks ago. I, I was root for the Bengals, but if I had to have a pick, yeah. it'd be Los Angeles. Well. I won either way. No, no, Joe Burrow couldn't get his first ring. Matthew Stafford did in Super Bowl 56. It was a fun one. It was an entertaining game. It was. That was a good game. One of the more, inter- I would say, most entertaining game we've had since the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. It wasn't flashy, but it was good football. Right. Yes. Cooper Cup, he... Eight receptions, 92 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game winner. And, man, I thought the Bengals were going to drive down the field and score. Well, I let, thought let, they let's, let's back up. Let's back up, okay. When the Rams scored in the first quarter, that's when I was sitting there. I was like, you know, I was like, Joe Shiesty, it's, it's done. Might be, it might be a blowout. Yeah, well, not, not even a blowout. Just like, you know, like the fact that they scored first and with such ease on the drive that they did score, and then the OBJ connection before he got hurt, that's really what the turning point was, was the OBJ getting hurt, in my You're opinion. Right. But – um, Cincinnati and, and Los Angeles had been close at half. And then the way Cincinnati opened up the second half, if they would have scored a touchdown instead of an Evan McPherson field goal, I mean, who? no telling. I mean, Cincinnati probably would have won that game. Yeah, and y- you look at some of the mistakes also with the Bosch extra point. Yeah. Uh, that was that was, that was obviously on the Rams. I think that was another turning point. It's just, it was, it was a weird but fun game. The Rams kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to, let me phrase this. After the OBJ touchdown in the first quarter, it almost seemed like in the second and third quarter they tried not to win that game. True. Like, I mean, it was just Tried like, not to lose. Yes, yeah, Cincinnati caught every break. They opened up the second half the way they did with the ball, and they and they scored. They almost scored again with the touchdown, but kicked a field goal. I mean, and then, like you said, at the end, um, the Bengals' defense was holding them inside the in the red zone, and then there was, like, flag after flag after flag, and then it was just like, it was, honestly, it was let the Rams score at this point. Yeah. Save your time. Um but that's what happens when you don't draft Panay Sewell and then you get sacked nine times. Well, I would say Jamar Chase worked out. No, Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it. That, that'll be a point of emphasis in the offseason for their it, personnel. It should be. And, yeah, you talk about that drive. 15 plays, 79 yards, and 4 minutes and 48 seconds for the Rams to score the game-winning touchdown to Cooper Cup from one yard out. And, of course, uh, the Bengals, they – Got a 17-yard completion to Jamar Chase, and we're unable to convert a first down from there. Uh, and as you said, just the offensive line didn't—they didn't give him a chance on the fourth and one play because one P Ryan could have made that catch, but the pass was just not good enough because of him going down to the ground. And if he had enough time, Jamar Chase—is this the, breaking free? The fourth down play? Yes. Yeah. I to start, I, I honestly would have ran the ball. Probably. But yeah, yeah, plenty of time. How much time was left? 43 seconds, and they had another timeout. Yeah, I would have ran the ball, first of all, because you only need a field goal at the least. Second of all, yes. I th- my personal, my professional opinion professional. is make it clear. I, I think, I honestly think Joe Burr was a little nervous and scared in that moment and didn't. think so. Yeah, because I mean, Aaron Donald had just gotten to him. I mean, it's Super Bowl's on the line. And like you said, 
Jamar Chase was open downfield. Even C.J. Uzama uh, runs a flat route out to the left. I believe they had somebody out wide um, on the left side that ran somewhere downfield, opening that up for C.J. Uzama. And Burrow had like a split second to go ahead and make the throw, and he was looking to that side of the field, and he didn't make the play. Um, so C.J. Uzama, former Auburn football player, could have gotten the first down. Pain. There, there, there Pain. were yeah, there were Pain. several ways to get that first down. See, I was yeah, I was looking at the um, more. But so, I did see the Jamar Chase route. Yes, I was looking more so at that, but also just could P. Ryan have made that catch. I don't think so. Yeah, in my mind, it's one of those split the sec split second decisions where it's like I either got to dive or like oh I'm noticing it's falling I have to dive now True. but you don't. I don't think you can make that. Yeah, and I think and like I said, it, I don't blame anyone except the offensive line because. If Burrow has time, he makes a better throw to P. Ryan. If Burrow has time, he might hit Uzama on the flat route. If Burrow has time, he might score a touchdown to Jamar Chase. Which give them credit. I mean, I know they, they haven't been great all year, but they had to go up against Von Miller, Aaron Donald. I mean, that was a good performance compared to what yes, we've seen. Yes. Um, I mean, and you're going up against possibly the greatest defensive tackle of all time. I mean, that, that's tough he's, to do. He's special, man. But, but what a moment for Donald, though. I mean, if he does retire and that's the way that Super Bowl ends, nah, there ain't no way he's retiring. Ain't no way. There's rumors. Ain't no way. Sean McVay confirmed he's not retiring or his wife did for him. Uh, Aaron Donald? No, no, no. Sean McVay. <laughs> well, I would hope not. He's 36. Did you not see those reports? Mm. He's going to go into TV after winning his Super Bowl. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then his wife posted on an Instagram He is story. pretty enough for TV. I mean, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Sean McVay, though, the... Is he the youngest? The youngest, youngest, youngest Super Boy, and it's Bowl crazy to think coach. He's 36, right? Right. He was 33 when he got he there the first the time. Super Bowl, so, yeah. Hey, that's 12 years older than I am now. Well, it's kind of like the stat where we went from the oldest Super Bowl coaching matchup last year to the youngest this year with Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That that's 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 what's great about the NFL, though. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can get it either way. You're not gonna get just a bunch of old guys or a bunch of young guys. You got it all. Speaking of co head coaches, do you like Taylor? Do you think he's good for Cincinnati in the long run? I do. He I just think, got an extension. Yeah, because I think it, the coaching in the NFL is one about scheme and who you hire as offense coordinator, defense coordinator, but also the culture. And I think that Zach Taylor seems to be building a good culture there where those guys are out there having fun. They're doing their thing. And if they like their head coach, that's what you need. Yeah. Because he's, he's the leader. He's going to give them – he's going to give them everything they need because – they're going to go out there and do it, but it's just he needs to give them exactly what uh, they need to get done. So Yeah, I, I think it could potentially be good. I think it was, a, it was either a five- or a six-year extension. I could see him winning a Coach of the Year award in he, the next two years. His first year, they had the worst record in the league. Second year, they had the 27th because, I mean, obviously Burrow got hurt, went 4-11, and 11, or 4-whatever and whatever it was, whatever the record was. Um, and then this year, I mean, they – they finish ten and seven, takes them to a Super Bowl. I mean, they win. They win the North. I mean, that's a tough division. It is. The AFC North is tough. And next year, I see. I mean, I could see them getting twelve or thirteen wins next year. <laughs> yeah, easily. If, if they get a if they get a good O line. Because another thing I look at in that division is, what is the Ravens going to do? And then the other two teams, Steelers and Browns. What in the world are they going to do? Yeah. Because uh, yeah, we know we know where the Ravens stand. They got Lamar Jackson. He was hurt at the end of the year. He's going to be healthy. Yeah, it's Mark a, Andrews. It's a matter of what they can do. I think schematically. I think how 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 can the Ravens help Lamar Jackson out, and how can Lamar Jackson adjust his game to do that? Yeah. Whereas the Steelers don't even know who their quarterback's going to be, and then the Browns. 
also don't know who their quarterback's going to be, honestly. I mean, a team that got out of a dumpster fire might be jumping back into one. So. Yeah, I'm not sure they're quite to that point yet. I think that there's, I mean, there's just probably so much happening with that with that franchise. You know, when they had Odell, you see how good Odell is with the Rams. Something was not right. Yeah, Something was not right because yeah. he was just not performing with the Browns. And, and it could be Baker, but... But anyway, but point being, I mean, I, I think the Bengals in that division, honestly, out of the four teams right now, are set up best in the long run. I yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Joe Burrow, the young receiving core, uh, Joe Mixon. I mean, if they can build a better O line for Joe Burrow, maybe get a few few better secondary players and and maybe another linebacker or two. That's a that's a team that's going to be dangerous. I mean, what one of the best kickers in the NFL, a rookie that they drafted. I mean, they're fine special teams. What else can you ask for? Not much. Besides the O-line and maybe a few more key defensive players, I mean. Because I'm trying to think of, I mean, any because in that game, there was nothing that you look at other than Burrow getting pressured immediately and you think, oh, man, man, that, that that's what cost them the game. Nothing cost them the game. The Rams made good plays. They did their thing. The Bengals just came up a little bit short. Yeah. That is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a, in credit to Burrow. I think he played on a sprained MCL. Like I think they finally came out with that and said that. So credit to him, he'll be back. Ooh, did you see? And what about Stafford rolling the heck out of his ankle on yeah. that drive? Woo! No, I'm not. The, I will say that no look pass from Matthew Stafford with the Super Bowl on the line, game winning drive. Nasty. I mean, he's looking this way, and if you're Cooper Cup, he's just. Whoop. And yeah, you look. You look at that team, and it was. It's a fun one to watch. You look at the defensive side. You got. I mean, you can love him or hate him. Jalen Ramsey, he's a heck of a player. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, you talked about them. And really, Eric Weddle. Yeah. I would say it was really cool for him to come back. Now, of course, he tore up his peck in the <laughs> Super Bowl, but he played through it. He uh, he might be done. He, I would I would say he is, yeah. and I think he's fine with being <laughs> yeah, done after is. that one. And Jalen didn't even play a great game. No, he did and not. And you, you could honestly— like, like I said, a Jamar Chase possible touchdown. Yeah. It was Jalen Ramsey. He was on the ground, yeah. face flat. yeah. And I will say that I, I believe he was the one covering T. Higgins on that long touchdown, but that was missed call. We won't get into that. It but, was something. Um, I can make the argument right now that the Rams are going to be a more in- interesting team to see what happens to them next year than the Bengals are. Yes. I mean, Les need Auburn graduate, congrats to him on the Super Bowl victory, the GM of the Rams. He he wore the shirt at the parade. I love that F them shirt. picks. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, in a way, he did, and he doesn't care. No. He got that ring. He's got that peacock. Exactly, uh, exactly, exactly. And uh, shout out to Jake Weiss. He uh, he he writes for the OA News. He got an interview with him. And Sneed says he wants to make it out to some Auburn basketball games. We'll see if we can get him here in the next week or two. Yeah. That'd be cool. Celebrity in yeah. potential, I would say. But besides the point, I think the Rams are here to stay. You look at the division, Seahawks, what's happening? Is Russell Wilson even going to be the quarterback next year? I don't think so. The Cardinals. Will Kyler Murray be the quarterback? Kyler Murray's not happy with that organization. I don't know. Yeah. And then the 49ers, you don't really know who their who, quarterback's going to be next do year. Do we trust Jimmy G if he's the quarterback yeah, this year? Yeah, so uh, they might have the most stable quarterback position in the or in that division right now. Man, I would say for sure. I mean, because I, he's the one quarterback that you know for sure is coming back next year. I will say I think Arizona retains. Yeah. Kyler. They just have to renew his rookie contract. But all it's going to take is one bad loss, and then everything breaks loose. Yeah. And it's just going to hit the fan, and it's going to be really bad in Arizona. Yeah. Seattle, I think, has the best chance of bouncing back just because the the culture there is much better than the others. They've won Super Bowls in the last decade. They've been to several 
Pete Carroll knows what he's doing. Exactly. Now, with that being yeah. said, how soon until he retires? Yeah. It, it's That's an interesting division to follow, too. I mean, it we're, is. we're truly in for, I'd say, a pretty crazy offseason. I agree, and I really think that the NFL's in a good spot as well. Tom Brady did not make it to the Super Bowl, and he promptly retired. Now, not saying that Tom Brady retiring puts the NFL in a good spot, but you're going to see a lot of parity in a lot of different teams. I'm going to say it already. Bills are making the Super Bowl. I probably said this last year, and then they happen to have to run into the Chiefs. 2023 is a year. I hope so. King Josh Allen for MVP 2023. Pain. Hey, your guy won MVP. Yeah, he did. Aaron Rodgers. Maybe his last uh, last award is a Packer. Hopefully not. We'll see. There might be a jersey night in the jungle next week, and if there is, I'm wearing a Cannot confirm nor deny, but there are reports out there that there will be a jersey night inside the jungle against Ole Miss. But it was good to see him win that award. One last award in the green and gold. Well, he deserves it this year. I mean... Uh, everyone's going to argue about the quarterback thing, about, oh, it always goes to a quarterback. Look at what Cooper Cup, look at what Jonathan Taylor did. Well, one, Jonathan Taylor just didn't make the playoffs. Not <laughs> Plain and simple. Lost, lost to the Jaguars to not make the now, playoffs. Now, you can say Aaron Rodgers lost in the first round of the playoffs. Right, but it's a regular <laughs> season of reward. Yeah, it is. It and is. I, I, you know, Cup was really good, but. Eh. Yeah. Back Rod- to back, though, for him. Rodgers deserves it. And only one ring to show for it. After this break. We got one more segment left on the scoreboard. NBA All-Star Weekend upcoming. Tonight's the last game of NBA games before that starts up. You're listening to Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to the Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, this is the final segment of today's episode of The Scoreboard, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. If you missed any part, search The Scoreboard wherever you may find your podcast. You can listen at any time in any location to any previous episodes of mine or Jacob's in podcast format with no PSA breaks. There you go. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, why wouldn't you want just an hour straight of our voices? Yeah, our beautiful, majestic voices. And our, our, our awesome takes. Yes. We do have pretty good takes. So, to finish out today's show with some more of our takes, we are going to go ahead and get into the NBA All-Star Weekend starting this Saturday. It will be taking place in Cleveland this year, the home of the Cavaliers. You may have heard of them. And Isaac Okoro. And Isaac Okoro, who was at the game last night. Inside the jungle. Glad to see him back. And I hope to see a lot more alumni back in the next two weeks. They they, they, They can make their way down for two more Auburn games. And maybe even if we... In the tournament, go to their city. That'd be cool. That would be cool. It would be cool to see them there are, show up. There are four Auburn Tigers in the pros right now. The, the okay. pro pros, not just the G League. In the G League, it's like a seven, lot. Seven yeah, or eight. a lot. Yeah. But my point being, a lot of Auburn Tigers that could make their way back to the Plains, like Isaac did. Um, he had a lot of good things to say about the jungle and this year's Auburn team. Okay. Whew. Starting Saturday night. Friday, or I'm sorry. Let me back up. It starts tomorrow night, Friday, February 18th. The Clorox Rising Stars game, Clorox, which kills COVID, four teams of Rising Stars in the NBA, uh, Team Barry, Team Isaiah, Team Peyton, and Team Worthy. Um, A few notable members of these teams, Cade Cunningham, Cunningham, number one overall pick of last year's draft on Team Barry. Also with Isaac Okoro in his home arena for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we were just talking about. He will be on Team Barry. Followed by, on Team Isaiah, another former number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves. 
Team Peyton will consist of all stars or young stars, I should say, like say like Lamelo Ball, um, Scoot Henderson from the G League at night, which I didn't know that the G League players got to play in this game. I think it's a new rule. Is with, it, with they have four teams? With the four like teams, we were talking about? Yeah, yeah. We just found out during the break that it was four teams. So uh, two almost Auburn Tigers, Scoot Henderson, Jonathan Kaminga, <laughs> teaming up with a former Auburn Tiger, Davion Mitchell. I, I like the way you're connecting this. Hey, Auburn. NBA, Auburn basketball, it's all the same thing. <laughs> and then the final team, Team Worthy, featuring Jalen Green, another almost Auburn Tiger, with <laughs> Jalen Suggs, who was a star at Gonzaga last year. So if you're interested in that, tune in to that tomorrow night. Um, any of these, real quick, Jacob, that you're looking forward to, any of these guys in the Rising Stars? Well, we're not, we're not going to mention Auburn Tiger rivals, Herb Jones and Tyrese Maxey. Nah. Okay. Nah. Fine. I'm looking at Team Barry. I really like what Kate Cunningham is doing at Detroit. Obviously, I love what Isaac's done with the cast, but Evan Mobley, I think, is a great candidate for Rookie of the Year uh, this season. And him on that team with uh, those guys, I think, have a good chance. But I don't team know if they're going to win it. I don't team Payton looks pretty dangerous. That's what I was going to say. I mean, four guards of Lamelo Ball, Davion Mitchell, Scoot Henderson, and Jonathan Kaminga, who shooting for whatever. But that's a team that's going to play fast. So um, I really like Team Payton. But then I could also see Anthony Edwards for Team Isaiah carrying. With Tyrese Halliburton and Isaiah Stewart, guys like that, just it, it just feels like Edwards probably will thrive in these games. The Taco Bell Skills Challenge, Saturday, the first event of Saturday night's All-Star events. Uh, you will have Team Rooks, which consists of Scotty Barnes, Kane Cunningham, and Josh Giddy, obviously three rookies. Then Team Cavs, three Cavaliers consisting of Jarrett Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley from the Cavaliers. And then Team Antetokounmpo, Giannis, Alex, and Thanasis, the three brothers, um, going to be participating. So you might be saying, why are there three teams? So there will be three teams, and they will compete in the new format that features um, a competition of four rounds that will be testing their shooting, passing, and dribbling. Um, the NBA says that each of these three teams will compete in these three rounds of the challenge. The two teams with the most points after three rounds will advance to the final, and then challenge points are earned by winning each of the first three rounds. Um, so, of course, it's still your skills challenge. It's just in a team format. Reworked, and that's something they're doing with the Rising Stars game as well. They're reworking because, hey, the, the dunk contest, everyone loves. Three-point contest, everyone loves. These two, they, get, they don't get as much love, so they're trying to figure out how to do so. And we'll see if this one works. I do like the participants. I really like having uh, Team Atatakumpo. And then, obviously, the host city has three guys competing. And then Team Rooks is a nice, nice addition. And I really like Team Rooks. I yeah. really, really like them. I think Team Rooks could get it done. Um, if not, the Anta Tacumpa brothers. I mean, just because, I mean, why not? They're probably competitive <laughs> as crap. Yeah. They're going to be competing <laughs> with each other over the other teams, and that's how they'll win. Yeah. Oh, man, that's going to be a fun one. So that's going to be the first event to kick things off Saturday night. Um, then followed by that on TNT, um, the second event. And then the Mountain Dew three-point contest. I know somebody in the studio that loves Mountain Dew very, very much, mm. and it's the guy talking. Um, participants will be C.J. McCollum, who was just recently traded to the Pelicans. Trey Young from Jacobs Atlanta Hawks. Give it up for him. Woo. <laughs> Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. Desmond Bain from the Memphis Grizzlies. Cat from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Fred Van Vliet from the Raptors. Luke Kennard from the Clippers. And then Patty Mills from the Nets. So not a lot of flashy names really besides, you know, Trey Young, McCollum, and a few other guys. But um, this could be a pretty, uh, potentially a pretty 
intense challenge. After closely watching the uh, two Hawks Raptors games, I'm I, I think Fred Van Vliet's gonna get it done, man. I don't I don't know really. I, I like a lot of these guys. I could see uh, a Desmond Bain being a sneaky, sneaky guy uh, in this competition. Going for Trey Young, obviously, my from my Hawks. And there's is there anyone I'd want to just eliminate right now? I'm not really. Well, I think it's just interesting to see Cat in there. Yeah. I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is this a new format as well? It's 70 seconds now instead of 60. Mm, yes. And then it is 27 basketballs instead of the normal 25. Um, so a maximum possible score of 40 points in one round. Yeah, um, I'm not sure where they're adding those two basketballs, but interesting. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. So if you uh, see that, it is a new format. Moving on really quickly, what everybody loves, the slam dunk contest presented by AT&T. Four participants this year. Cole Anthony from the Orlando Magic, Juan Toscano-Anderson from the Golden State Warriors, Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks, who played at Dayton his last several years, and then almost Auburn Tiger Jalen Green. Um, does that mean that Auburn fans will be pulling for Jalen Green? Probably not. Yeah. But I would put my money on him or Obi Toppin. I do like Jalen Green. You know, here's what I'll say about Toppin. I don't think so. I don't know if he has enough the flashiness. Like he can't game. move when he gets in the air. Right, for a dunk contest. Okay. Like in game, I think he's one of the flashiest dunkers ever with the windmills and the 360s, but that doesn't get it done in a dunk contest. I think that like Jalen or hey, I say look out for Cole Anthony, the little guy. Yeah. I think he has a chance uh, if he can pull some tricks out of his bag. I think so too. I, I it's really kind of anybody's. I, I don't know much about Toscano Anderson, but um keep an eye out for him because he could be a sleeper. And then real pick. I mean, real quick, I'm sorry, before we have to leave, Team LeBron and Team Durant, um, several guys on this team that are notable uh, guys on there every year, like Curry, Giannis, DeMar DeRozan, who has been carrying the Bulls for Team LeBron, Nikola Jokic, Luka, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Van Vliet, and Harden for LeBron, and then followed by Team Durant, Joel Embiid, John Morant, who has had a tearing season this year, Jason Tatum, Trey Young from Jacobs Hawks, Andrew Wiggins, Devin Booker, Cat, Zach Levine, DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, and Rudy Gobert. So um, having said that, Jacob, who is your pick to win this year's All-Star game? Is it just me or does KD not know how to draft? <laughs> well, it was the funniest thing ever when it got down to two last picks between Rudy Gobert and James Harden. It was his pick, and he goes, I need some size, <laughs> so I'm going to go Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Team LeBron. I can't pick against Steph Curry and LeBron James playing together. I'll pick it as well. It was interesting to see them play together last year. I'll pick it again this year. That's going to do it for today's episode of The Scoreboard. Join us next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. For me and Jacob, we'll be back on the air. Thank you for listening. This is Weagle 91.1 FM. This has been The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.